0: There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today.
1: Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. Help us move from awareness to action this week is Bruce Weber, the president and CEO of the Weber Group, an independent consulting firm committed to building capacity and sustainability in nonprofit organizations. Welcome, Bruce.
0: Hi. Good to be here, George. Thank
2: you.
1: Yeah, you bet. Centauri, you and Bruce go back a little ways. How how long have you known
2: each other? I was, because I, I knew you were going to ask that question. Um, we've known each other for at least, it has to be five or six years, right, Bruce? Did we meet through social venture partners?
0: We did. We did. Yeah, it's been it's been about that long now that, that, that you mentioned it.
2: <laughs> so Bruce and I met through SVP, and then him being the master facilitator is always my go-to person when I need um, some board governance work. And so he's done facilitation for boards I've been on, including Boys Hope Girls Up of Arizona. And currently we are working with him to see if he might be available to work with me on Adelante Healthcare. So it's been a great partnership, a great friendship, and uh, I'm excited for him to be on
0: yeah, I'm very, and I'm very excited to um, uh, to have known uh, Centauri, and and um, we run into each other many, 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 many times in the strangest of situations. But they've it's always been um, a great experience to hang around.
1: <laughs> well, certainly glowing endorsements on both sides. I was glad to hear you say that you run into Sar- Centauri in strange situations because it was all way too nice there for a second. So. <laughs>
0: They're good situations, though. Oh, okay.
1: Perfect, perfect. (laughs) Well, excellent. So five years is a long time, and and it sounds like you guys have have done a lot of great work together, so I I appreciate that. So, Bruce, tell us a little bit about your career path, um, how you found yourself running an organization that, that is doing the kind of consulting work that you're doing.
0: Well, wow. um, So I, I've always had an, an entrepreneurial spirit um, um, ever since I was young. And, um, and with that, I began my career in technology out of college um, and was fortunate to work for two major players in tech, um, HP and Microsoft. Um, for me, it was really um, a, a unique experience because I started with HP when the PC business unit was just beginning. Wow. And- and, and, yeah, and we were we were building our first set of products. Um, the, the, you know, IBM was the major player in the market and we had no market share. Um, so for, for me, it was really cool to be a part of that forefront um, because we had sort of direct marketing and product positioning experience um, and influence um, r- over our product line. Um, and you know, starting off from scratch against a major player in the industry, uh, you learn really quickly how to become scrappy. But in our um, in our first three years, when we finished the third year, we were around fifteen million dollars in revenue with um, an average price point of around three thousand dollars. So that's a lot of stuff wow. that we were. Um, so then, then I, um, from, uh, from there, I moved into retail channel management, kind of analogous to Best Buy managing retail outlets around the country. Um, I started in metropolitan DC where I grew up and then, um, eventually started working with, um, national organizations again, like, uh, the major, uh, computer resellers, if you will. And then there was, um, this other company called Microsoft. Uh, who at the time was just selling like, um, like computer languages and stuff like that. And they said, well, you know, we'd love to have you come on board. And, um, we have this new product called windows that we're talking about. And, uh, so they, (laughs) I'm kind of like, okay, sure. What does that look like? Um, um, and they said, well, look at a Mac. And I, oh, oh, no, that was not a good thing to say. But um, anyway, um, I, um, I started with Microsoft and I was managing um, a sales team in uh, D.C. Um, working along with the federal government and um, the, on the civilian side of the government. And then uh, eventually worked up through the organization um, and moved to Seattle to spend um, about a year and a half at headquarters. Um, and then. Um, the transition for me in in my career was um, after I left Microsoft, I really decided that um, in the next phase, I really wanted to give back. And so that's what inspired me to bring to begin my career in the in the uh, social sector space, um, in the nonprofit space. Um, and I started with SVP in Seattle, which was a. Um, um, just beginning at the time. And then um, ultimately after relocating here, I formed my own consulting practice and then Centauri and I met each other again through SVP. So that was um, a, a great transition for me.
1: Awesome. I'm fascinated when you were starting at HP, two questions. Number one, did, did you all know that you were going to, to become as, as big as you did and number two, how important was it to have an adversary, somebody that you could look to and say, "That's that person's the king of the mountain, and we're going to knock them
2: off? That's a great question.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, you know, we it, it, in the very beginning, um, it was interesting because we I don't think we really had a sense for how big the PC business could be because historically HP was a, um, a, a mini computer business. They weren't even mainframe. They were kind of the in-between computer system um, and IBM still held that dominant position. But um, over time, um, we began to realize that we had a huge opportunity. Um, but uh, for your listeners, um, I'll share just a real quick, this very quick story. Um, We struggled to have this and and having that huge adversary with IBM. In the very early days, it was really, really hard uh, to compete against them. So what we did is we came up with a strategy locally where we we had just released um, laser printing technology, HP did. And IBM had horrible printers. Absolutely, they were atrocious. (laughs) And uh, so we decided – um, unbeknownst to um, our management, we decided, you know what, we could partner with those guys. And I bet you that they would like they would let us sell printing technology into all of their installed base. Uh, and uh, they did. And that's what we did very, very quietly um, for about a year and a half until we were selling so much product. Then it became really visible that w- what was going on. Um, but, uh, the, the thing I think that IBM did for us in having that big competitor is they, they inspired us to work harder, number one, and then equally as important. Um, they, um, they, they, they allowed us to kind of think outside the box. We, We became really creative in, in different approaches and way to kind of market and sell our product line. Um, so it was a fun experience, but it was tough.
2: That's awesome. Bruce, going from – and I know I'm going to preempt George's question about the three biggest things you've learned, but what made that jump from technologists to the social sector? I know SVP was a big part of it, but what was that aha moment or what made you want to go from for-profit to the nonprofit or rather social impact space? Well, and,
1: so, if if I could just ask one more question about your time at HP, and then then then, then we'll jump right there. Was the laser printing opportunity was was that essentially a, a Trojan horse that allowed you to get in and and start to take some of their business?
0: Over time, yes.
1: Okay, got it. Yes. <laughs> nice. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, they had, you know, as you might imagine, you know, they had probably four times as many people selling that we did. And, uh, and, uh, and it was very, very difficult, um, because of the federal contracting practice to, you know, kind of work around their procurement methodologies and IBM had that down to a science, but, but we did figure it out. And then, yeah. And then eventually when we came out with, with different technology, um, IBM, um, started losing to us.
1: Got it. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. So uh, um, so to Centaur's question, please. Okay. So the inspiration for me, and I know this is going to sound maybe a little bit corny, but it was actually SVP. Um, because when I, when I left Microsoft, um, uh, there were two guys, Paul Brainerd and Scott Oakey that actually were the founders of social venture partners in Seattle. And, um, and I was invited to attend um, a, a little social, a mixer, to kind of learn more about what they were doing um, through another joint colleague. And uh, when, after I heard that, I thought, wow, that's really interesting taking a VC approach to um, uh, working with nonprofits. So um, I got involved with SVP. I was on the grant, uh, the grant making committee, and and partner recruitment committees and whatnot. I did a little volunteer work and started serving it. And then I was invited to um, work um, in depth with one nonprofit organization. And what what when it really all started clicking for me is. I just assumed that everybody in the nonprofit world had the same like access to technology and the same business experience and everything that I did in the, you know, in working for Microsoft. And when I discovered the disparity, I thought, wow, okay, so this is an opportunity for me to bring something to them that they don't usually have access to. And so that was really, I think, the, the impetus for me to make that jump and to focus on um, uh, on you know organizations that may or may not have had the opportunity to explore approaches to their business, if you will. Um, it was you know it was really um, uh, it would have been really easy to go back to another tech company and to keep and to stay in that same space, but I was ready for a change, and and I think. The, the um, SVP um, opportunity came along at just the right time. And then when I started working with these nonprofits and you would do like little things with them, like sign them up for an email account <laughs> and they would be like, "Whoa, that is so cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. And approximately how, how, how many years ago was it that, 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 that you made the, made the switch?
0: Okay. Now you're going to date me. Okay. Um, So it was 1999.
1: Got it. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So a good body of work in nonprofit. So one of the questions that that we love asking are what are the three biggest things that you've learned over the past three years? And that can be what you've learned over the past three days or or the last year or, or obviously the last three years.
0: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, I think that the first for me is uh, persistence pays off. Um, you know, at, at first glance, very often you see a whole bunch of things and they seem insurmountable, but if you kind of stick with it, um, you, things surface that you never dreamed about. Um, and they, they change, um, you know, when you least expect them to do too. Um, you know, I, um, I work with, in my work, I, I work with a lot of different clients and, uh, so I come across all sorts of things. And I think the, um, the ones that are really, really successful just don't give up. Um, they continue to figure out that approach, um, whatever it may be, that's going to enable them to be more successful in, in working towards their mission. So I think, um, persistence paying office, like it would be my first, I think the second is um, very often the the solution is right before your eyes. Um, again, uh, the I, I work with all sorts of and sizes of organizations, and um, and I'm I'm part time consultant and part time counselor therapist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 and there have been uh, there have been times where I've actually looked at a client and and asked him, would it would it be more comfortable or, or helpful for you if I just listened? And you know, a lot of times they say, "Yeah," because they don't really have anybody that they could talk to or, or confide in, um, uh, and uh, and and when you're looking at like a challenge, uh, sometimes it just takes somebody else, another set of eyes or this, another set of ears, just to open you up uh, to what that um, opportunity might be and how you can work around that. Um, so uh, that would be my second, and I guess my third um is just consistent follow-up 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 um in in um in this work at least you know you can get really really busy and then all of a sudden you start procrastinating on different things and um i found the most effective way for me um and this is probably not new to your listeners or anyone but uh, just schedule it schedule it on your calendar and if you if you set an appointment and set your task as an appointment. Um, you, you you set aside the time for it, and then it elevates and becomes more um, important. Um, trying to balance that, you know, busyness versus getting the meaningful things done you know, is, is always a challenge. But for me, um, I have just learned, um, especially as I've gotten bigger and my practice has grown, that I have just got to jump on it and I've got to jump on it as soon as I can and then stick with it until I get it done.
2: Thank you for sharing that, Bruce. And I think it's great that you added the piece about listening. So many nonprofit and social impact leaders just need someone to ping ideas off of or to just be sympathetic to what's going on in their organization. So thanks for that. Um, I think for most of our listeners, the idea of being a nonprofit consultant is kind of like, it's not something they encounter every day. So can you talk about your scope of work and then why that's important to these nonprofits?
0: Well, so yeah, certainly. Um, So what we try to do, um, and I actually I try to steer away from the word nonprofit, and please don't take that as um, I'm criticizing your vocabulary. Right? No, go for it. Um, I, t- I try to I try to look at them as social sector organizations, because really, um, the nonprofit word is really nothing more than a tax status from the IRS. So um, w- when you think about what these organizations do, they do things that have a social benefit to um, the world that we live in. And so what what I try to do um, in my firm um, is assist them in realizing, you know, the potential that they truly have as an organization um, and then help them not only get there um, and become sustainable, but do it through a transformational way of executing against whatever their plan is or their strategy is. So doing something that has like true um, um, meaning that they can get some teeth behind it and um you know we we um i i say we my partner and i and and i have several um colleagues that i um that i work with on a fairly regular basis um we we try to help um organizations operate at their highest level Uh, we look at um, understanding what first off what their needs are and then help them design a future roadmap for where they want to go as an institution And and that, you know, the services, the things that we do, it's everything from um, strategic planning, um, board governance and assessment, um, things like operational um, improvement and organizational lifecycle analysis are all things that, kind of lead towards helping them become more impactful um, as as organizations but at the end of the day yeah we we want to walk away with something that provides some meaningful change to uh, to someone and to an organization so um, that's what we strive to do
1: nice so the the three pieces of learning I think are are extremely valuable things for, for everybody to keep in mind. And when you were saying that when you were just getting started working for nonprofits, the idea of getting an email address was 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 of extreme value. Um, and certainly my perception is that the differences between social sector organizations and just general market companies has gotten smaller and smaller. Do you think that that's also true?
0: I, I do. I do because um, we're we're really fortunate that you know technology has just leapfrog and allowed us to do um, uh, things that we could never dream of doing. Um, just like what we're doing today is you know is one big prime example of it. But um, I think technology has enabled people um, in um, again in new and innovative ways. Um, we also have um, a new generation of leaders that's coming forth that also are bringing together sort of new ideas and fresher perspectives. Um, That being said, though, you find that a lot of um, um, and hopefully my foundation um, listeners won't be too terribly upset with me, but you find that a lot of funding partners are still sort of um, measuring and evaluating based on the way things used to be. Um, and are looking for things that um, are, aren't necessarily um, um, contributing to um, without um, um, spending a lot of time on this, but contributing to um, overhead and expenses and all that sort of thing. So I think that, that that's still um, a, a challenge, but, but certainly um, a nonprofit, I mean the technology that we have just alone access to today is just staggering. Um, however, uh, we still have to use it in ways that make sense um, um, and, and have good business sense. I mean, it's, you know, it's great to have a great website, but if you're not saying anything on it, then what's the point? So, uh, yeah, so I, I, but I do, I do think it's a little bit different. And they have caught up uh, to the commercial side um, a little bit. Um, well, I, I, quite a bit, I'm, I meant to say. Um, but uh, no, there's still room. There's still room for growth.
1: Yeah, I'm certainly fond of saying that I could give somebody the greatest greatest guitar in the world, but if they didn't know how to play it, then it wouldn't matter. So you need to be able to utilize the tools that are available to you. Um, when you were talking about how sometimes, occasionally, some people are are stuck in the way that things used to be, are, are you envisioning a future where social sector organizations are, are leaner? Or, or am I, my misunderstanding...
0: Uh, no, I don't think I don't think necessarily that they'll be leaner. I I think they will run themselves differently. Um, there's, there's been a movement in the U S it's gotten a little bit of press, but you know, it's still, we're just plugging along, trying to, um, uh, trying to push forward. But you know, the, the whole notion of, uh, overhead being a dirty word and not being able to invest in infrastructure and capacity. Um, has really impacted the sector for way, way, way too long. Um, even things as subtle as um, paying people, um, paying uh, social sector employees um, less um, because it's charity, you know, because it's work that they do, because they love it. That, that's not fair. Um, it's not equitable. And um, and so I think what we're what we're going to see over like over the next uh, five years is first off, we're going to see a transition in leadership like we've never seen before Um, as current CEOs either retire or they move to new organizations, um, we're going to see turnover um, at, at the senior level and at the senior staff level in a lot of organizations. Um, But we're also going to see a whole new generation of leaders, if we do our jobs right, that are going to be able to step into those shoes um, and provide, um, you know, new ways of of doing things that are more in line with perhaps the way they should be Um, and and in helping to um, um, foster more investment in areas that are kind of that kind of make more sense and and are more meaningful.
2: Bruce, I'm glad you mentioned that we had Jamie Smith executive director of YNPN, Young Nonprofit Professionals Network, on um, about a month ago. And as you know, I'm on their national board. And the thing that we talk about is what does the next generation of uh, social impact leader look like? And a lot of it is around creating a, a space where we can really advocate for an equitable wage and saying, just because you do this great work, it's not because of the heart. You also have bills to pay and things to do. So how do we get more funders, as you alluded to to start funding organizations in a way that is sustainable for not only their employees, but to get them on a place where they're on the same line as technology and everything else. So I'm glad that that is work that you're working with nonprofits and social impact organizations to do.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's it been kind of this coalition of GuideStar and BoardSource. And I think um, I think the Gates Foundation's dabbling in it a little bit in that. But we're really trying to erode uh, that myth that, um, investing in things like, you know, new technology, phone systems, um, uh, you know, just infrastructure salaries for people to make sure that they're paid competitively. Um, that's not a bad thing. Um, and if you look at any for-profit, um, any commercial organization, they all do that. There's, you can't survive without it. Um, so, um, it's, it's pivotal. It's really pivotal. And, um, not to put a plug for myself in here, but um, at the um, um, Arizona Alliance for Nonprofits seminar or event coming up at the end of September, we're actually going to be uh, doing a session on succession planning. And one of the and a big component of that conversation is going to be around how do we how do we gen, how do we build this new set of leaders and how do we make investments in people um, that are going to help drive the organizations forward?
1: Nice. Nice. I love it. Well, Bruce, one of the other questions that we love asking is, knowing that the entire world would hear it, what plea would you make?
0: Oh, my gosh. Where do I begin? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I won't say anything controversial, but one thing comes to mind, but that's okay.
2: No, please. Um, (laughs) Have at it. Make it as controversial as possible.
0: Well, Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, that would be probably not a good thing to talk about, but, um, um no, um, uh, we, we want to stay from away from politics. Let's just put it that, um, uh, my, yes, yes. my, um, my plea to the world would be invest in your social sector leadership. Um, you know, social sector organizations, social benefit, whatever you'd like to call them, uh, you know, they're really businesses and and they really shouldn't be treated um, any differently when we look at them as institutions. Um, And as I alluded to earlier, there is gonna be this like significant turnover at the higher levels of these organizations. And so we need to really, really be thinking about that. And to Centauri's point too, the future generation of leaders are not going to lead like the generation is now. It's, it's, it's obvious of that. So um, we need to make sure that we, we take care of them, give them, you know, give them consistent reviews. We set clear goals. We pay people well for the jobs that they're doing um, and, and help them build, you know, good culture and organization within the, the organizations that they all serve at. So that would be my plea to the world: is don't don't look at don't look at them as charities. You know, look at them as businesses that are providing a social purpose, and uh, and let's treat them with the same respect that we treat any other company.
1: I love it. I appreciate that, and I think that there's a ton of wisdom in it. So, well, Bruce. I'm interested in learning how people can learn more about you and engage with your organization, but I also want your advice on how people are listening, how they can actually follow through on what you just asked. how How can they invest and get involved with with nonprofit or social sector leadership?
0: Well, if um, so, if you're serving on a board, um, you know I encourage you to uh, to bring it up to your board uh, leadership, your chair or the executive committee or whatever, and find out about what is our process for reviewing? Um, what do we think about our CEO or executive director? Um, and how, how can we, if we, if we're happy with them, how do we take care of them? Uh, how can we build in some incentive for them to stay with us and know that they're um, appreciated? Um, if you, um, if you look at, um, Um, If you go to GuideStar or you do a Google search on online uh, and look for busting the myth, um, there is a whole bunch of information on there about ways that people can actually help to um, to to raise awareness around this issue. Um, And also boardsource.org also has a section on their site um, uh, about um, this whole issue, this challenge that we're going to be facing in terms of, of social sector leadership over time. So if you're um, if you're listening, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you know people that serve on boards of um, nonprofit organizations and you're in casual conversation, just ask them. So, you know, how do you guys take care of your CEO or how do you you know, I mean, how do you plan together and what kind of a relationship do you have and all of those things? I think those things are really would be really helpful in in, um, in helping move the cost forward um, as far as reaching me. Um, my, um, my website address is Weber group, az.com. And, um, my contact information is up there. Um, um there's, um, a whole plethora of information about our, um, the things that we offer and also some great resources. There's some new ones actually going up later this week. So we'll be adding to that, that pool. Um, and, um, I'm happy to have anybody reach out for any reason whatsoever, and, um, I, and I will certainly follow up with you, anything that I can do to help them.
1: Excellent. Centauri, what have we forgotten to talk about?
2: I think we're all good. You, Bruce and I can geek out on this stuff for hours, so for the purposes of this podcast, <laughs> thank you, Bruce.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Well, th- thank you to both of you, too, for for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Excellent, Bruce. We, we appreciate it, and... Thanks always for listening. Uh, Please do subscribe to the show. Share this show with a friend who you think would appreciate it. Go to WeberGroupAZ.com and check out all of Bruce's great stuff. And we will also link to the resources from BoardSource and GuideStar that he referenced. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.